would speak to us, you are God, and we are here to receive from you. May we hear above every song and above every word from human lips, may we hear from your spirit today. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, welcome. If you are just joining us, we are in a series, in the middle of a series, called What is in Your Hand? And we're talking about those things that are in our possession or that we have that we believe are ordinary. And we get the, this, um, this theme from when Moses was standing before Pharaoh. Moses was not standing before Pharaoh. Moses was standing before God. And God was telling him to go to Pharaoh. And uh, God said, Moses, what's in your hand? And he said, it's a staff. And it was completely ordinary. And God said, lay it before me. And when he did, extraordinary things happened. And what we're talking about in this series is those things that we hold in our lives, in our possession, that we see as ordinary, that when laid down before God become extraordinary. And we've talked in the past couple weeks about our heart, about laying our heart before God, giving our lives to Him. We've talked about worship, something that we can think of as very ordinary, but something that is extraordinary. We talked in the worship uh, sermon about how worship does not depend on us and our emotions and our preferences. That worship is about God and who he is and for him. And then last week, I know you loved it, we had the money sermon. Yeah, it's hard to get a good money sermon in church. We just need to do a lot more, right? We had a money sermon, and, um, and we talked about how we can lay our whole lives before God. I, God, I give you my past, my present, my future, my hopes, my dreams, but I'm going to keep this right over here. This one's mine. And, and so we talked about money and what it looks like and how when we lay our finances before God, one of the greatest things that happens is he can do extraordinary things, but also it loses its power over us. And so this week we're talking about something else that is in our hands, something that can be completely ordinary, something we possess. And yes, yet this is something that God has asked us to be careful with, something God has asked us to be generous with, Today we're speaking about our words, the words of our mouth, a completely underwhelming topic, right? The words of our mouth, but God is calling us to be generous in the way that we speak. He has created us with power in what we say. What do I mean that, that, that our words have power? Well, the universe was created by words. God spoke and there was an effect. God spoke into the void and life blossomed. He spoke into nothing and there was something. He didn't speak into death and bring life. He spoke into nothing and brought life. He did this with his words. His words have effect. His word never returns void. Every time he speaks, something happens. And we were created in the image of our creator. Our words are simply vibrations caused when air passes over the larynx. Yet where these vibrations go out and where they land, there is effect. Things changed, change based on our vibrations. When those vibrations go and they hit somebody's eardrums and then mind and then sink into their heart, there can be a profound effect. And there is a profound effect on the person speaking as well. Our words have considerable power. We forget this. We forget this. 
But for many adults, they're dealing with insecurity based on words that were spoken over them in their childhood. Words are powerful. People gain security and identity because of the words spoken to them. People grow insecurity in their life because of the words spoken to them. People get married because of words. People get divorced because of words. Words are powerful. Children smile and light up because of their mother and father's words. And children cry. And their identities are diminished just a little bit each time because of their mother and father's words. Co-workers become friends because of words and co-workers become enemies because of words. Wives cry happy tears because of the words of their beloved. And wives can also cry themselves to sleep because of their husband's words. Husbands leave work early and get home because of the wife's words. And a husband will stay at work late avoiding his wife because of words. Words build up families and words break families. Words build hearts and words break hearts. Words build trust and words break trust. It builds confidence and it breaks confidence. Words, our words build our character and our words can break our character. Whatever you believe before coming here, may we leave knowing that our words are powerful and they have the power to break and the power to build. With your words, you gain and you lose friendships. You gain and lose trust of those around you. We heal and we harm in our marriage. Our character is displayed by the content of our words. And our faith is displayed by the context of our words. Our words tell more about us than we ever realize. One of the core orchard beliefs here that we say often, especially on staff, is that everything is relational. And guess what? The words that we speak between those relationships, that's the currency of relationships. If everything is relational, then words matter an awful lot. Don't ever think that your words are just wasted or meaningless. See, when you begin to think of your words as just ordinary, when like Moses we think of our words as just something we have that is ordinary, like the staff, my words, I just, I just say stuff, we get careless with them. But when we, when we remember or we realize that our words have the ability to break and build, bring life and death or heal and harm, we can no longer be careless. When it comes to our words, it's like carrying around a sword, razor sharp. We're either going to be very careful with it or we're going to cut somebody and probably ourselves. Let me read what the Bible says about it to, to, to add in some, some greater authority than my words. James was the brother of Jesus. He's the leader of one of the churches, and he's warning those who are Jesus' followers to watch what they say. And here's what he says in James. He says, Consider what a great forest is set afire by a small spark. I mean, we know this full well in this area, don't we? We get this. In July, a spark went into some tinder and lit up our region. We get this illustration. He goes on. The tongue is also a fire. Your words are also a fire. A world of evil among the body parts. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire. And it itself is set on fire by hell. Well, that escalated quickly. Okay, James. James is telling us that what happened at the late Christine fire happens in our life. 
that a small spark can leave your mouth and by your words, you burn bridges, you burn a business, you burn a marriage, you burn your kids, you burn your character, and pretty soon in your life, you're left with a lot of charred remnant of who you could have been and what you could have had. Our words can burn. He goes on. All kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed, but no human being can tame the tongue Obviously, he has some personal experience with this, as we all do. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's image. We praise Jesus with our words, and then we curse the people he made. Notice it says that these are humans made in God's likeness. Which, which humans does this include? Like, what list is, is he including here? The ones that look just like you and act like you? See, this list includes the ones you can't stand. The, the, the list he's talking about cursing is, is those near you and far you, the ones you can't stand, the, the ones on the other side of the political aisle. The ones, you, the, ones you don't, the ones that don't look like you. The ones from a different background or different country or different language or who vote differently. The ones, those people that do things you would never do. And listen, there's people that might not look a lot like you, but the Bible states they look a lot like God created in his image. And so he says, we, we bless Jesus, we bless God, but we curse the people that look like him, made in his image. And this is why here at the Orchard, our vision is love God, love people. That's simple, right? It comes from love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and your mind and your strength and love others as yourself. But we say love God and love people. And, and again, we have to go through this. What kind of people? All people. Is there any asterisks here? Orchard, is there any asterisks here? And you look at the bottom, it goes, oh, except for them. <laughs> Good, because I don't like them anyway. No asterisks. No matter any orientation or affiliation or religion or, or gender or politics, color, belief system. It, this is loving that person who, who goes slow in the left lane. <laughs> this is that person that taps their pin in the meeting. It's loving them too. It's not cursing them. All people. We were all created in God's image. And right here, James says that the danger and the power of the tongue is that it praises God in one moment and curses the people God made in the next. He finishes in verse 10 by saying, Out of the same mouth come praise and curse. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. The Bible goes on. The Bible is packed with information that comes about the power of our words. Ephesians 4.29 do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. No unwholesome talk. Unwholesome talk means it lacks any health benefit. It's speaking those things that have no benefit for them to hear or for you to speak. This is literally what our grandmothers meant when they say, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Ephesians tells us to speak only what is helpful to build others up. But it goes on. It says, according to their need. And that's an important thing. To fully step into this verse, to fully step into what God is calling us to right here, we need to know and we need to love people around us. You need to know what they need. Because there's some people around you that need a little extra love. There's some that need a little extra truth. 
There's some that need just a short word of encouragement. And there's some people that need a long walk with deep affection and lots of talking. Only speak what is helpful in building others up according to their need. And this is where it gets fun. I think it's fun. Think of those around you. Those that you live with. Uh, those you work with, your, your family, your friends, and, and start with maybe your spouse or romantic interest. Consider, what, does it, what is it their heart needs? What does their heart need? It needs something different than your heart needs, different ways of saying things, different words of honor. What, would it been, what, what could you say to benefit them, to build them up? And, and this isn't making up something. This isn't like just faking it. What is it they need that you can speak life into? What about your boss? What, what, what does his or her heart need to hear? What about your children individually? They're uniquely different. Each of your children, you would build them up according to their need, which is going to look different from person to person. Each of your friends, it looks different. So let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, only what is useful in building others up according to their need. And this is fun to think about this. Consider the people in your life. Consider the people around you and how you can uniquely speak to them. Well, this is, this is speaking life into them. And when you become a person who speaks life, people want to be around you. People want to know um, what you say. People want to know why you say it. Be a person who speaks life. Proverbs 18 takes this even farther. Your words have the power of life and of death. When you speak Love and grace can bloom or die. When you speak to somebody, their identity can blossom or die based on the words that you are communicating. Words have a great effect. They bring life and death to our relationships. Proverbs 12, 18 continues this thinking. It says, The words of the reckless are like a pierce from a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You know, I'm somebody, I'm going to be very honest today, I'm somebody who deals with, with being reckless with words. If you know me, you know me. Um, I, I thought that everyone loves sarcasm. I legitimately thought sarcasm was the uh, sixth love language. And I love the people around me with it a lot. Um, I, my wife, Amy, doesn't share these views. <laughs> um, at all. And we've had moments, and I've had plenty of moments, where when I speak to her, it, it probably looks a lot more like a sword slash than a love, loving comment. I was born with the gift of speaking. Not literally born with the gift of speaking, like I wasn't born speaking. We don't know that. I don't know. Um, was I? No, yeah. Okay. I was, uh, I, listen, your, your greatest gift is your greatest weakness. Your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. And I was born with the ability to use words. From a young age, I was good with them. In middle school, I wanted to be a trial lawyer, no lie, because I heard they got paid to debate people. And I thought that was about the greatest job in the world. That's you, says our lawyer. This should give you a clue of what my parents were working with back in the day. Well, we would live in Redstone, and a couple times a week I would have to get a ride home with one of my parents, and I would skip the 19-hour uh, bus trip. Um, 
And, and my, my dear sweet mom, she grew up in Texas in a family that had no sarcasm. And no one made fun of her that we know of. We, she can't remember anybody. Um, and, and my mom would not hurt my feelings if, if she had to. And, and on many of these car rides, I would end up angry and verbal, and she would end up crying. We'd get to about Placida or even Redstone as we're driving, and it would just be silence from then on. Her crying and me just steaming. And I remember one day, as clear as a bell, I'll never forget it. We were driving up Valley, and we were talking about something. It didn't matter the topic. The t- the, what mattered was that I was going to win. And I was trying out some new arsenal I had come up with, and um, she started crying. To which I then had to rethink, this is how I, w- I had to think, okay, did I win? Or is, is this some ploy to defeat me? So I pressed further, just to see, just to make sure. And, and, and as we got to my house, our house, she pulled over on the side of the road at the mailbox and said, get out. And I got out, and she, crying, drove off. I went inside, and, and I cooled down. But she came home later, and she said that she had gone to the top of McClure Pass, right above our house. And she'd said, um, if I go left, I go back to my daddy, who has nothing but love to say to me, and a home where no one speaks to me like that. And if I go right, I go back to you <laughs> and the hurt that you bring me. And that was a clarifying moment for me. Sixth grade, and my tongue is dealing death and injury and harm. As I cooled down, I was just ashamed I hated how my own words would take over without my heart seeming to engage. And, and it was like, it was literally like a spark of debate would happen and a wildfire of words would come out. I wish that was a one-time occurrence, but my, wife, my, uh, my mouth and I have a prolific past. And um, this is something that's deeply personal for me. This is something I deal with. How about you? Where are you on this? Do you see that your words go out and and hurt? Have you seen where you speak and there's death? Have you seen where you speak and and, and identity and and trust is is breaking or broken? We've had these moments where our our mouths have have got the best of us. And and then Jesus comes and he's going to speak on this. And every time time we go through the Old Testament verses and they're so hard, we go, finally, he's getting to some Jesus. He's going to tell us the good side. Well, Jesus has something to say about words, but this is, this is hard. It's clarifying for me. It's in Matthew 12. And in Matthew 12, verse 33, he says, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. By, or for a tree is recognized by its fruit. This is easy. Don't plant an apple tree and look for oranges. You get the fruit that you plant. An apple tree gives apple trees. Good, good trees give good fruits. And then he's going to start talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees, the enemies of God's people. He says, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? How can you say anything good? And James echoes this. Jesus' brother later in James 1, 26 says, if any of you consider yourself religious, but you don't rein in your tongue, you deceive yourself and your religion is worthless. Because you might say that you're faithful and full of love, and I love God and love people, but your tongue deals death during the week. Don't deceive yourselves, James says. 
Jesus says, how can anything good come from this? He goes on. Matthew 12, 34. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Your words are your fruit. They find their root in your heart. Whatever is in your heart will come out of your mouth eventually. Verse 35. A good man brings good things from the good he's stored up within him. And an evil man brings evil things from the evil he has stored up within him. I first discovered this truly, like obviously, in high school. When I was in high school, um, early, early high school, um, I had a friend in town who loved gangster rap. And I, I fell in love with it too. My parents, they don't know until now that that's the truth. And there's nothing harder than two Carbondale kids blasting Ice Cube on a sleepover. You know, that's just... That's as real as it gets, right? I noticed something, though, as I got involved in gangster rap for the first time in my life. Because I was raised on John Denver and anything Christian. Amy Grant and John Denver, a little bit of Creedence Clearwater thrown in, if I was good. But I, I realized I began to say some things I had never said before. My vocabulary expanded. And they say that the only way to increase your IQ is to expand your vocabulary. But I don't know if it applied to what I was doing. Um, I began to speak in a way I, 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 that I knew was not pleasing and that I had not before. And, and it, was, it was because this verse right here. I was storing up something within me. And the heart is going to speak from that. It's shocking if we begin to consider that our mouth will speak what we're storing up within us. Your words will reflect what you've been looking at and noticing. Your, wor your words will reflect what you're listening to and what you're thinking about. He ends in verse 36, and this is as heavy as it gets. Jesus says this, I tell you that everyone will, ha I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they've spoken. Orchard, our words matter. They matter to God. Words spoke the universe into existence. Words bring life. Words bring death. And we're going to give an account for the careless words that we've spoken. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice because I cannot stand on my own holiness before God based simply on the careless words, let alone the angry words that I've spoken in my life. Orchard, it is time that we begin to consider changing the way that we speak because our words matter. It's, it, we think it's just an ordinary thing, but they, they become extraordinary as it is released and we need to lay these before God. It's time to realize that even our careless words are important and they can harm or heal. It's time to again be reminded that our edgy sarcasm, that edge cuts. People around us are watching. People around us are listening. There's people in your life who when you walk in, they read your face and they know whether they should leave you alone or talk to you because of what is about to come out of your mouth. We are known by these things. Do your words bring life? Are your words wholesome? Are you known for juicy gossip? I love it when we uh, have prayer requests and it's just gossip about, we need to pray for Sister Martha. She is doing some things. Listen, gossip is one of these. Are your jokes the funniest on the job site and the dirtiest? 
Is grumbling and complaining, is that the flavor of your words? This is why Psalms 141.3 says, this is a prayer, it's a plead of a prayer. Lord, keep watch over what I say and guard my lips. Oh Lord, please help us. I want to challenge us to become generous people with our words. Generous is defined as a person ready to give more than expected. And there's two words to, to latch on to in this definition. The first is the, is the more. They give more than expected. Give more honor than people expect. As you go through your life, give more encouragement than people expect. Just become a person who speaks more life than people expect. You'll be amazed at the impact of your words as you give more honor than people are used to. Become a generous person with your words. The second part of this definition that is important, it says, a generous person is ready to give. A generous person has already said their yes to give honor encouragement. They're just looking for a person. They're just waiting for a person. You might have heard this saying um, about someone who's a lot of fun. You say, uh, they're a party just waiting for people. Well, a generous person has honor and love just waiting for people. It's already been given. It's just waiting for a recipient. A generous person is encouragement waiting for listening ears. A generous person is resources just waiting for a mission. A generous person is forgiveness waiting for an offense. A generous person is compassion just waiting to find a hurting person. A generous person is ready to give from all the resources that God has given them. And guess what? Your words are a resource that you are very wealthy in. You are rich in words. Introverts, listen to me. If you used up all your words today, guess what? Tomorrow you get a bunch of new ones. We are rich in words. We are wealthy in the amount of words we have. There's no scarcity of words, but there is a scarcity of words that bring life. In Orchard, may we be a people known. As we love God and love people, may our language begin to line up with our vision. May our language begin to, to, to line up with the things that we say. Or we're in peril of, like James said, our religion is worthless. Don't deceive yourself. May our words speak what our church and our hearts and our lives declare. Love God. Love people. And Jesus, you are the main thing. And leave here and speak that way. You were created in the image of God, and your words take great effect. And here's the challenge for you today. Two challenges as I end this. Who do you need to go to and ask forgiveness due to words that you have spoken? Let's, be honest, let's, let's just be real. Who do you need to go and apologize to, ask forgiveness for, because you've spoken to them, and you've cut them, and you've hurt them. And I'm sure you can justify why you did it. I'm sure they deserved it, and all those things. But, but, but what if, what if you just took 100% of responsibility for what you did? And you went to them, and you said, I, I'm so sorry for what I said. Will you forgive me for the way I spoke to you? Will you forgive me for the way I said these things? Today, who do you need to ask forgiveness for, for the way you've spoken to them? Mom, I'm sorry for sixth grade. <laughs> and more than that, who in your life needs your words of honor and encouragement? Don't hold those back. Don't hold those words back. 
Are you generous? Are you ready to give more than expected? If you are, if you are ready to give, then ask God today, who is it? Just, just give, me, give me a place to start. Who can I start with and then, and then do it? Write a text after communion to somebody and just give them, a, give them encouragement and honor. Write a note, give a call, FaceTime somebody, a hug, schedule a date. Be generous, choose, listen in, the, in this time. Who, God, do I need to be generous with? And start there. And the next person to be generous with is the person you see next. And just begin to try it out. Every person you come into contact with, say something that brings life. Say something that, 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 that deals in life and, and help and healing. Just become a person who life and honor comes out of your mouth. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 encourages us to this way. I'll end with this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we profess. For God can be trusted to keep all of his promises. Let us think, let us consider, not just give this flippant, let us think and consider of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That takes encouragement. And let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but let us encourage one another, especially as Jesus draws near. Orchard, what we say with our words matters. And we are called to love God and love people with the words of our mouth. As we end today and as we end in communion, I, I want to I encourage you to step into this and truly ask the Spirit, who do I need to ask forgiveness of? And who do you want me, even now, to just start giving honor to. It might be, you might get somebody's name that you don't think deserves honor. That's a good place to start. Orchard, let's speak life. As we move into communion, I want to remind you if you're new with us today, there is no class that you need to go through to take communion. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And if you want to remember our Lord and Savior and his sacrifice, then you're free to come take. And as you sit there with the symbol of his, his death and his resurrection, his, his symbol of his blood and his body broken for us, he spoke life into us. And he calls us to speak life. May we be a people who respond. Jesus, we thank you so much. We thank you that you gave us such power. We ask you forgive us in those places where we have used and misabused this power to hurt others. I pray you convict us during this time to, to go in and, and ask forgiveness for some of those. And Father, may we be a people, your people in this region, who don't claim one thing and say another. We claim you as our king and we speak life. In Jesus' name, amen.